Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? And here I am, dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, Bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And get the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. The Gospel of the Lord. Who chose these these lessons, these Bible passages for today's liturgy? Well, Brother Aiden did, that's who. (laughs) And if you know Brother Aiden at all, you can see his fingerprints and his heart all over them. From the Song of Songs, through Paul's letter to the Romans, to the ever-evocative story of the lost son. We hear themes and memes and questions that Aidan and we have pondered and wrestled with for generations. Of course, there are likely some personal or interior reasons for their selection that only Brother Aidan knows. And I'd venture to say that there are still other reasons or motives of which even he is unaware. Scripture is like that. We think we know what we are getting into, 
And we find ourselves surprised, challenged, rebuked, transformed. We think we know where we are going with some familiar psalm or biblical passage and discover if we stick with it long enough that it has another often more profound and more relevant role to play in our conversion and in our story. And what's true of sacred scripture is true even more so of God. We think we finally have a handle on the Holy One, only to discover that on the contrary, it's the Holy One who has the handle on us. How frightening, disorienting, and absolutely wonderful. And then there's vocation. The way we live out our relationship with God and others in our lives. Chosen, we think, for good reasons, solid, apt. And then we find that we may not have been in the driver's seat at all. As Paul says to the Romans, those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. That's you, Aidan. And that's us too, brothers and sisters. That's all of us here today. Today's first reading may strike many as especially puzzling or surprising. It's from the Song of Songs, a book traditionally ascribed to King Solomon. What it is, is a love song, a rather sensual and erotic love song, a seduction, a dialogue between the lover and the beloved. But those of us who know something of monastic history also know that this tender, racy, and achingly beautiful peon to human erotic attraction and sensual love was in the medieval period during the golden age of monastic spirituality, enormously popular among monks and nuns and choice reading for Lexio Divina. After the gospels, it was the most commented upon text from the Bible which is not bad for a book of only eight chapters. And this is because the monastic tradition had not yet fallen into that unfortunate segregating distinction between the so-called different kinds of love, agape love, filial love, brotherly love, erotic love, contemplative love, that we find in 20th century religious writers. Rather, medieval monastics knew that, to quote from another context, love is love. <laughs> and our love of God, our love of the true and the beautiful, our love of the just and holy, follows a shape and a desire not dissimilar from the drive toward unity between people, whether spouses or friends or the movement towards truth among scholars and scientists. 
We learn about loving God by observing these loves within our world and within ourselves. Monastics of old knew this, and we constantly need to rediscover it. The Song of Songs tells us, Love is as strong as death, passion fierce as the grave. Its flashes are flashes of fire, a raging flame. I think it's certain that the Christian tradition saw in this love, strong as death, this passion, fierce as the grave, the life and person and work of Jesus Christ, whose victory over sin and death is from first to last the victory of love, the triumph of life. If, as Paul says, the whole creation is groaning, It is groaning for a full and active participation in that victory. The entire created order yearns, as does Aden, as do we all, for fullness of life in union with and through life and being itself. In many ways, Brother Aden already wrote his own profession homily. It is found in his blog, Grounding in the Spirit. It is. Posted on January 6th of this year and titled, Planting Tulips in a Time of War, all in lowercase letters. (laughs) If you have not read it, I urge you to do so. It is a profound reflection on one man's vocational journey in dialogue with the short story or perhaps dream narrative, which is also his. And it is a fiercely honest exploration of the dynamics of hope. The title, Planting Tulips in a Time of War, takes its weight and significance from Brother Aidan's love of and deep concern for the future of our fragile earth from his love of the land, and from the grounding and revolutionary act of planting tulips or other fall bulbs. It is about the hope implicit in the simple but outrageous act of risking down payments on a beauty not yet seen but merely promised, even and perhaps especially when the heart is breaking and the world around us and within us is falling apart and the cold of winter is setting in. Reflecting on his monastic vocation in the light of recent losses and changes, Brother Aidan says, part of the reality I live with is that I still choose to stay. My choice isn't painless, but it isn't difficult either. I don't choose to stay because I love monastic life, though I do love it. I don't choose to stay because I feel somehow God has ordained me for it. I don't believe in that kind of God. I choose to stay because this is who I am. I am a monk. And not just any monk, 
but among here, in this place, on this land, in this moment of history. I stay because I cannot do otherwise. Could this be what St. Paul was getting at with all his talk of predestination and justification and glorification? A call rooted in the concrete demands and possibilities and limitations of a specific location during a particular era in a particular tradition with this rather odd cast of characters and not others, with its dreams and its costs, with its gains as well as its inevitable disillusionment and disappointment, shaped and reshaped within the narrative and personality profile of our own life history with its expansive vision and blind spots. Alas, there is, there can be, no other kind of call. Brother Aiden continues, I stay in the monastery because it is who I am, but it is also who I choose to be. I choose to allow this land, this place, these people to claim me. And I choose to stay because not to choose is to die. This manifesto, published a month ago, rings true today. And it will echo every day in Brother Aidan's life as it does in all our lives. I think of St. Bernard of Clairvaux, the great 12th century Cistercian founder, who asked himself daily, Bernard, what are you doing in this monastery? He asked this not as an opportunity for a quick exit when the going got rough, but as a daily reminder of where he was situated and of what he both chose and was dealt the kind of reminder each of us needs regularly, whether it be about monastery or ministry, profession or relationship, life or death. It is the quotidian opportunity to revisit, recalibrate, and recommit. And this, too, is true of all of us. Not to choose is to die. Planting tulips is a very great act of resistance in the face of the unknown and the uncertain winters of our lives and times. And wouldn't it be nice, Aidan, if as part of today's ceremony, we gave you some tulips? <laughs> but no. No, instead, we are going to give you a rule and a cross. The rule to remind you and us that we are partners together in this enterprise that we call human life, Christian life, monastic life. And a small wooden cross, your one and only possession. But we give you that cross 
with the reminder that we follow not the cross, but the crucified one. The crucified one who will meet you when you are still far off and run and put his arms around you and kiss you. The crucified one who will bring out the best robe and put it around your shoulders. The crucified one who will put a ring on your finger and sandals on your feet and will kill the fatted calf and celebrate. Because finally, finally, you have come to yourself and you have come home. Brother Aiden, today we celebrate with you and for you, and with and for the countless people of many faiths and of none who dare to risk and to hope and to plant tulips. May their lineage and yours be long and fruitful and glorious. May God make it so. Holy Mary, pray for us. Holy Benedict, pray for us. Holy James Huntington, amen.